Hello, everybody, and welcome to TF Talks. My name is Sam. I'm Isaiah. I'm Jesse. And I'm Carl. Uh, today we're going to be reviewing The Greatest Showman. It's a movie that's still in theaters, just came out. It's about the... kind of about the life story of Barnum. Uh, so the reason we're starting with a review of The Greatest Showman as our first critique <laughs> is because this film that we all loved has been tanking in critic yes. with yes, critics. Absolutely. Yeah. Um but most people, ordinary people that go to see the movie have loved it. Like so, us. So yeah. So yeah. we're going to start our review podcast as fans before critics giving our opinion on this show. Yeah. yeah so basically the plot you you start with the life of Barnum. You start from his childhood and you move on quickly to his adult life. It really takes place in the the ten year span of when his museum opened to when it burned down when he started doing uh tent circus arts. Um, but you don't actually see that ten year gap. That's just the real life timing. Yeah, it happens in about like a couple months, really. Yeah, <laughs> and that's seemingly. But it's 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 exploring the start of Barnum's uh performance career is really what the movie's about. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's not many spoilers or tensions um, beyond that. One thing the film the message of the film is to be proud of your differences from people. Which might be different from what Barnum was actually yeah, about. Thank yeah. you, Carl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty much the message of. Um, I think that the message is. Don't be uh, something about performance. I feel like. Yeah. I'm still trying um, to work out that one. The message is: there's a sucker born every minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So Carl. Yeah, Carl, talk to us about historical what? Oh, accuracy. Yeah, so, um... Because yeah, this like is a biopic. I... It's supposed to be about the life of Barnum. Mm -hmm. What? You, you, your biggest problem is because this is supposed to be a biopic. It's supposed to be about the life of Barnum, yet you know this isn't completely true to life. Well, yeah, so I think there's two things going on there. One, uh, I am a fan of if you're saying you're going to do something based on a real person, try to make it based on a real person, not just a made-up story with that person stuck in there. <laughs> and I don't like when you take stories that are not rags to riches and make them rags to riches it just kind of feels like a way of reminding people that are poor like oh look anyone can make it except you know like look at this guy except that he didn't so yeah where did barnum come from message are you sending there he's from bridgeport connecticut yeah no wh so, where did like, he come from financially yeah like if you want i can just go through his entire life every bit of his life isn't correct and like it was 30 years between when he bought the museum and when he started going on tours all right let's just let's just do a brief intro of where he came from <laughs> cool so in the movie he is a poor son of a tailor and his dad dies and then he works really hard on the railroad and gets money and comes back and starts his life mary's charity um, gets the girl in real life he came from a family that owned a bunch of businesses he inherited a small island that could have been used as his first humbug because there was an island, Ivy Island, that he kept getting told he was going to get from his grandpa and how it was this great, beautiful place. And uh, turns out it was a literal swamp. And uh, no one told him until he like got old enough to go there himself and see it. And he got really upset. But that's what he actually used as collateral when he bought the museum for the first time. Oh, cool. Okay. So you didn't need some fake plot about stealing a <laughs> deed to a bunch of ships when uh, his actual thing was he was humbugged by his family and then used that exact same humbug on, you know, a bunch of other people saying, oh, I've got this beautiful island. I'll put it down as collateral. Uh, Carl, um, I have a question. And, yeah, he started his – in real life, the reason that he went to New York was because Vermont, he ran a bunch of businesses, made a bunch of money. One of them was a lottery. 
and then he kept writing against all the church elders who were complaining about his lottery and gambling until they made gambling and lottery illegal, and he had to go to New York because they shut down his business. Hmm. So, um, in... What was I going to say? You had a question. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I had a question, <laughs> yeah. Carl. Is there any historical proof that he actually looked out the window of his financial thing and saw a building, and then next to it was this eerie graveyard, and then he was like, oh, I gotta do something <laughs> I, with my I life. I can tell you that didn't happen because he didn't work for people like that. Oh. He ran a general store. Well, there so, you have it, folks. Though we can't prove there was no graveyards <laughs> near any of his business. <laughs> so Barnum's real origin story... Yeah. So Barnum's real origin story was he was born and everyone started lying their asses off. <laughs> so he was like, might as well get paid to do it. <laughs> so like, yes, yeah. but on top of that, he was also already making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. All right. So let's go on to the music. The music is by, who is it by? It's the same people that wrote the music for La La Land and Dear Evan Hansen. They're kind of taking over the world right now. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Benj Pesk and someone else? That I can't remember the name of? It is... Um, I see the album cover. Benji, Pasek, and Justin Paul. <laughs> yeah, not Benji, Pasek. Forgot a few letters there. Yeah. Benji, Pasek, we got so, it. I mean, this is a little off top, but you didn't like La La Land as a movie, but you enjoyed the music, right? Yes, I am. Um, so these guys have been yeah. pretty consistent with the great music. I liked the writing of the music. At times, I didn't like the performance of the music. I didn't yeah. love Ryan Gosling in the role. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. We're not talking about <laughs> di different review. We're talking yeah, about La La Land But what did you feel about the music performance in this movie? In this movie, the music is very generic. It's usually based off of something. Well, we don't know if they planned on basing it off of something but we found connections to other music the song come alive which is one of our favorite numbers it sounds eerily like unwritten by N natasha <laughs> benningfield well zay they actually did plan to like make the music in the movie re uh reflecting off of like yes. popular current music yeah which is honestly the musical way like yeah. all musicals reflect something it's really the first pop musical I've ever heard because people claim there are pop musicals, but they're pop theater. Like, yeah, this one is truly like Stephen Schwartz is a pop theater writer. Mm -hmm. He doesn't yeah. write pop music. No. Yeah, this is. Um, Never Enough sounds like Human by Christine Perry and Paradise by Coldplay, and from now on <laughs> is a song <laughs> by a band that's not Mumford and Sons apparently, but, but I can't sounds like it sounds and like it. Yeah. <laughs> so the music's really like I think. I mean, I like the. I think a lot of movies strong, but I think a lot, most people would agree yeah. the music's probably the strongest yeah. part. Oh, yeah. per Hugh Jackman performing the music is amazing. Yeah. Um, I had some issues occasionally with the sound editing of the music. Um, there's a time in at the end of Come Alive where there's this heavy uh, pullback on volume. <laughs> That always kind of confuses me. I just feel a little uncomfortable when it happens. There's also one thing that really, really bothers me mm -hmm. is in the the second the ending um, greatest show song thing. Yeah. There's like like the animals are making noise, like the lions roar and stuff. Mm -hmm. But then there's a scene of like these two giant elephants rearing up on their hind legs and coming back down, and it's completely silent. <laughs> and it pisses me off because I'm like, if you have lions roaring, you're gonna have elephants stomping. I have like, to tell I'm you sorry, Sam. <laughs> they weren't real elephants. Well, what? Neither, neither were the lions, but they still had them roaring. It was, it, uh, it took me out of the film. It changed my entire opinion. Honestly, of it. my favorite part of that song, the intro song, which was yeah. my favorite part of the movie because it yes. was so showy oh. and extravagant, and like yeah. it shows that he is the most 
like he's the most um not romantic what is it flashy person in the universe yeah but when he runs onto the actual stage and the horses are like yeah, oh my god i love that so that's, much that's it's an so amazing much fun scene. to watch yeah um the performances by zach efron hugh jackman and zendaya were just oh, and, so good and uh is it keila keila settle the who plays uh, Letty for Jenny Lind or Letty for, for Letty? Oh yeah, she was. Is amazing. it Keila Settle? I don't know how. But for, how do you think pronounce so? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean I, honestly, I know, like yeah, they had a bunch of main performers. Like everyone was really was really good. Like the one guy who played the uh, the largest man alive had one singing line, and I love it so much. And then he never and then he never again. sang again. Really but upsetting. he had, but he still had one great. Yes, um, it was Keila Settle. Uh, <laughs> one like you know great singing line and. Mm-hmm. Just like everyone was green. Daniel Everidge is the Lord of Leeds, the huge man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, guy. We had Michelle Williams as Charity Barnum, who had a couple songs. Oh I didn't know she could sing. She sang really well. Yeah, she sang so she's well. She's usually been an actor. I know. Before. I know some people complain there's a lot of auto tuning, which I can get from some of the sound, but I think okay. for the most part, most of them the people sound need is to get over it. In this yeah. day and age, every single thing that is recorded in a professional studio is auto tuned. And when it wasn't <laughs> auto tuned, like in Les Mis, everyone complained about that. So like, yeah. no one's ever. A, a, a huge improvement from Les Mis is Les Mis Sorry, also starring Hugh Jackman was entirely recorded on set. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Which, that was my comment for this. The two biggest things with the music that I liked was not recording on set with Hugh Jackman <laughs> so that he's not sweating and dying while trying to sing yeah. notes that are out To be fair, because he was songs. playing Jean Valjean, of course he's going to sound yeah. dead <laughs> and like a slave. They did do some yeah. recording on set. Um, I remember seeing an interview. They did record him running towards the train at the Wait, end of From Now On. I want... There is nothing I want more <laughs> than to sit in a room and just watch Hugh Jackman sprint... <laughs> Wearing While a top attempting hat. to sing. That, that, all I want is just him sprinting and just watching him do that forever. That is my favorite <laughs> scene of the show. It's just like... A so, comment by my brother. Uh, at its worst, this movie is two hours of Hugh Jackman wearing the best suits you've ever seen <laughs> oh, in this your is life. True. And doing oh, yeah. the coolest hat that, tricks. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk more about the music and performance, though. Like, okay, yeah. the, the overall, the movie, what it's supposed to be about. It's a very flashy movie, which I think is why some people didn't like it. Yeah. Because most of the reviews that are poor about this film were from movie critics who are looking for dramatic narrative instead of, like, a movie with probably 40 minutes of actual plot yeah, and then half an hour of music and then 10 minutes of other stuff. Yeah, what I loved about this movie is is I thought it truly reflected what Barnum and what the circus is about. It's about entertainment. It's about engaging Mm -hmm. the audience. Um when I was teaching circus arts over the summer, one of the things I learned from Sean Fagan, who was actually on the Barnum and Bailey Circus for a while, oh, oh, was oh. that... Oh, sorry, sorry, you dropped something. <laughs> Do you want me to pick that name back up for you, dropping a, a sweep? <laughs> so what we learned about the circus, which came from, uh, from the Barnum days, mm-hmm. was that you're just supposed to engage and entertain the audience with mm-hmm. simple plot lines. It's not about this complicated narrative. It's about... Rules yeah, of three yeah. and, and all that. something that they really captured, I think, pretty well is uh, Barnum's weird prejudice towards what entertainment is. I think Carl will agree with this. Like when he heard about Philip Carlyle being a play producer and writer, he was like, "Who the hell is gonna go see a play? That like, sounds yeah. extremely boring." It's like, yeah. like, and then he doesn't care that Jenny Lynn's a singer. Like, so <laughs> I, I actually kind of disagree here. You disagree again? Okay. This is where it like they've made up a new character that isn't 
real Barnum and had him do stuff because Barnum did the opposite of that. Really? Yeah. I remember one, in our he's the reason matinees exist. Yeah, but I remember in like our production of Barnum, where only criminals went, we were and he all said, wait. "Oh, hey, let's try to get families to go." So he adapted a bunch of popular novels into plays, and then made matinees the most boring part of theater. <laughs> False. It can be the most fun part because you get a lot of kids okay. coming. So <laughs> they're really, they're really engaged and they're really entertained. Okay. But he like he did the opposite. He wasn't taking highbrow people and showing them to live. He was like taking scummy people and trying to make them present them. Okay, okay. this is another yeah, part Carl, of the movie. Carl, that's no, not what like, I was talking yeah. about. Um, what I meant was like Car- Barnum having like a weird uh scope for what he found entertaining because I remember when we all of us happened to be in a production of Barnum in high school. The musical. Yes, yeah, uh, yes, Carl played Barnum. Um, I played the lead, <laughs> Sherwood Stratton, who was cut <laughs> out of Greatest Showman, which honestly was the worst Greatest part of that movie. Flaw. Greatest uh-huh. flaw. <laughs> but Carl, you had a line in it that, like, when Charity tried to convince Barnum to take on Jenny Lind, he said, "I don't see thousands of people filling a hall just for some singer." And there's like uh-huh. quotes of Barnum saying, like, he found music to be just frivolous but he also that i think that reflects the part of barnum that was shown well in the movie of like he's he's a businessman he's an entrepreneur when he finally sees opportunity he's going to strike whether he believes in it or not you know with these what was complicated about this movie is you know he brought in these outcasted performers to showcase them and a lot the movie was twisty in the way of like he was doing it because he wanted to show that he believed in them and that like they deserve a light which is a cool thing that came from them being on stage but ultimately he was just a guy who was looking for a, a buck and he saw the the chance to put them on stage yeah, yeah. what what i define this movie i think changing my perspective to like watch this movie this way is what made me enjoy it ten thousand times more is not looking at at it as a movie about barnum's life but a tribute to barnum where it's like highlight the best things about him and the mm-hmm. best things that he did and have amazing music and then make up rags to riches stories yeah. i guess which is kind but, uh, of what the critic talked about in the film but we should move on to the production process um yeah. this film was like a passion project by hugh jackman that took i think seven years yeah to do yeah. um fox who produced it didn't really see a musical being a hit they saw they thought pe- a new uh, musical an, yeah they thought an audience coming to see a film that has 10 completely original songs is too much content for for a viewer to consume that's why and, i hate studios but... which i think we have to thank la la land because la la land mm-hmm. came out and then i think fox was like oh okay yeah people are ready for musicals again. i mean i refuse to ever thank la la land but like you know yeah, we um, can move on more <laughs> tap dancing. But this true because we have a complex relationship. With there's Bob. been plenty of musical, uh, movie musicals like yes, Hairspray but... and Chicago. But it's true that original movie musicals haven't been popular for a Since... while. I want to say non-animated. 20th, 20th century. Yeah, like. Well, yeah. I want to say seventies earlier. Seventies yeah, okay. at the latest. Yeah, like I can't think of many. Dick Van Dyke was young when it happened. Yeah. <laughs> um. But no, this is true. Animated has been popular, but like, 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 like yeah, animated is always popular because of Disney. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So the production process took seven years. I think La La Land is the reason it happened. It was a completely new director that I've never heard of. It was Michael Gracie. What else? Yeah. Pull up. What else? Yeah, I'll pull it. Literally, my understanding is he only did like music videos and commercials, which oh, is part yeah. of the problem where people said he couldn't write drama because he only knew how to write 
and this, songs. And this is why I hate, disagree. This is why I hate people because um, he's a new director. <laughs> he what? apparently was a director of Naruto. Oh, okay, that explains everything. This is why the movie's so amazing. <laughs> Um, this, this he did visual effects people. on Ned Kelly, and he did a director on The Muppet Man. The Muppet Man? <laughs> but, like, apparently. The Muppet Man! He's, he's very into... He comes from visual effects, apparently. Yeah, that yeah. scene. Because, oh, yeah. the aesthetic of Barnum. And oh, about, uh, he was show, the man. director of Natasha Bedingfield's Unwritten. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, okay, that so explains we were right. a yeah. lot. Okay, <laughs> that's right. amazing. Um, No, but I, I don't... Just... Uh, I'm fine with that because he's a new director. Give him yeah. a chance. He's also, gonna grow as a as a director. Yeah, I'm I'm really yeah. happy that Hugh Jackman probably yeah. Hugh Jackman was probably the one that took him on because yeah. this was his project and he thought and okay, this I'm is gonna a take good a project. new director. Also, yeah. <laughs> Having someone who is so based in visual effects, like now that I know that you can clearly see that in the movie because it is a aesthetically beautiful shot yeah, movie. It's it, the co- like the what he does with colors in it just makes it he makes he, it so good. Yeah, he so good, he so seems cool. to blend eighteen hundreds and in twenty seventeen together. Yeah. But not in like a cheesy way, but he takes like the best of both. Not yeah. in a Pinterest. Like I remember one <laughs> shot in one shot it was when Barnum hopped on the train to go back to Bridgeport. You yeah. see the train like a train model. It looks like a train small model. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. if you would find it, like a Tim Burton film, and you yeah. see like these like, yeah. um, you know like this like a Star Wars small models, and you just see it's like a really quick shot of this train just going over some mountains. Yeah, yeah. and it looks so beautiful and like old fashioned. Yeah, and also, but I it think worked because you didn't need to see like a CGI train. And people were saying they didn't <laughs> want him coming on because he doesn't have like history as a great director but he does have history as a music video director which makes perfect sense this, for this two hour movie one one hour and 45 minutes has a half hour long soundtrack of yeah. songs yeah. so he would need half hours a half hour of music, music videos and i just want to say um which one of my yeah, one of my great. favorite music videos like if you cut it out you just make this a music video would be um rewrite the stars where Zac Efron and Zendaya oh, are trapezing around a room oof. and it is like literally even though it's even though it's a movie and like you can tell like you know there's a lot of like you know visual effects and like tons of stuff going on it and is they did that themselves. breathtaking to watch yeah like, like um Zendaya I don't know if she did all of her stunts she did almost all of them. most of the shots with her, her and Zac Efron they did themselves because they didn't want like yeah, yeah they didn't want clearly be someone else with someone that just um, looked different so on that though, what's interesting is like that song. It's not my favorite to listen to on the soundtrack. I, I, but I love music. watching it. It's a great it. song, but, but like, but watching it is like, like it's so amazing. Yeah, I don't yeah. dislike any of the songs. Yeah, it's just the ones I listen to are the Greatest Showman, uh, Come Alive, and from now on. the other side, and from now oh, on. The, the just because side. those are all in my voice part, and I like this. Yeah, song. yeah my God. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out like what was the biggest critiques people had of this movie. I like um, to sing Never yeah, Enough why, so I can do that with my why hands. Why didn't Car- people Car- love like, this movie? Besides the historical inaccuracies, which we've kind of talked which about, I don't. Carl, I hate to. Um, this is a this is a small jab at you. I don't think. <laughs> Any that many other people disliked parts of the movie because of that. I mean, that's what I saw when I looked at reviews, though. Was oh really? A they, lot were, of the they were mad at historical said, inaccuracies. Like, good message, but if and like a good movie, mm-hmm. but if you're gonna try to give that message, have a story that actually relates to it, not a guy who you know uh, abused a slave while mm-hmm. slavery was illegal in the state he was in. As, like, his first humbug. So, my argument to the historical inaccuracies is that the movie isn't a... It says it's a biopic about Barnum, but the movie's actually about 
what Barnum is it's and what he represents circus. now. It's about the creation it's about of show his business, legacy, which yeah. I'm really happy they took which out that I'm line. I'm fine, because the musical, if you want to see like a biopic about Barnum, watch the musical Barnum. I actually yeah. have the DVD upstairs. <laughs> um, but I think this movie really was about Barnum as a legacy, about a performer, about twisting real life sometimes, not because you want to swindle people, in Barnum's case he did, but because, because there's genuine smile, it's the line. Yeah, it's, I, I think that I think that's something I just noticed. I think that the title of it not being called Barnum and being called The Greatest Showman yeah. does speak a lot to that, where this isn't a movie about Barnum. This is a movie about The Greatest Showman. This and is about his showmanship. This is about what he did to show business as a whole. Yeah. And there is a part towards the end of the movie where all of the people in the circus, which are generally outcasts from society, tell Barnum, they're like, we know that you did not do this for us. We know you did it to make money. Yeah. You were trying to profit off of our strange nature. Yeah. But we don't care because you've given us jobs, you've given us a home, and you've given us a career. And I think that's what's one of the coolest things about Barnum and the circus and everything else. is like there's Whoa. a duality to performance <laughs> of that you might not always be doing finding these weird oddities to help them, but mm -hmm. you can find strength and unity in it. Yeah. And I just love how performance-based this movie is and how it really just shows, like... I just love Hugh Jackman. Anyone anyone looking to get into a debate with someone who doesn't like this movie and you did, you can just talk about the critic. There's a, <laughs> there's yeah. a critic in the film who hates Barnum's circus and all of the people love it and Barnum says the line... A theater critic who can't enjoy the who can't find joy in the theater now who's the fraud? But what's the what's the exact line of like the genuine smile? He was saying because the critic was like, "Do you realize that everything that you're selling is fake?" Yeah, and then he goes, "Do the smiles look fake? Doesn't matter where it comes from. The joy is real." Barnum, that's the line in the movie. I don't. It's I wouldn't say that's an exact quote from Barnum, but that's basically oh yeah with like the line at the end from quoted from Barnum. Um, the noblest art is that of making people happy. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's what the movie mm -hmm. does best. It shows that performance at its core is about entertaining. It's about engaging and making yeah. people it's, feel good. There's it's, a there's a fun thing that my, mom, I, yeah. that my mom said to me right after watching it, because my mom also loved it. And so she, did my mom. Yeah, and she was like, <laughs> I feel Stephanie like so next. many She's movies... Already seen yeah. She was like, I feel like so many movies that I watch just make me hurt at times when I'm watching it. And she was like, this movie, I did not hurt once. I was just, I was there and I was enjoying myself. I was using it as, you know, as, a, as an escape, as something to entertain me. Yeah. And I mean, I cried at a few points, and but when I cried, it was because, you know, when Bartom gets slapped as a kid, but then he finds, like, <laughs> unity and Jerry. You cried at that? No, no, I cried because I was like, I'm so happy they have each other. Okay, okay. And I just, like, couldn't stop weeping. <laughs> I was like, ow, I, that hurts. I cried at times during my second viewing just because I was already thinking about all of the powerful stuff before it happened. Yeah, so oh kind of I was, yeah, I was overwhelmed <laughs> by, like, the, the just the joy and the... Yeah, I, I cried out of happiness. I was like, yay, they, beauty. One, one thing that I actually cried in the theater about, which I'm a little ashamed of, uh, was bef right before they start the song "This Is Me," which is the title number of the of the show. Yeah. Um, it's sung by the bearded lady, and right before she starts singing, Barnum shuts her out of a out of a party for rich people, and then says to Jenny Lind, "America might not know it yet, but they're going to love you," which is exactly what he said to the bearded lady when she started. We're at uh, twenty three minutes. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> And like her, her, like 
her feeling of being replaced really spoke to me about like what Barnum actually was because that shows you that throughout this film he was lying to them saying that he wants to create a special place for them and he was just trying to make money off of I that. see that's the hard part about this movie is I wouldn't say he was I mean he was lying in a way but I also feel like he was saying like people want was, to interpret that as like he's going to give them a home he and cover and social justice work really, yeah. he's being two faced but in the way of like he's saying like you don't know yet but America's going to love you he's giving mm-hmm. them a chance to perform yeah. while his intentions might not only be for them mm-hmm. he gave them an opportunity um which normally wouldn't have come to them the one thing that I that I now that we're just on this is me that I like mm-hmm. because I hear like so many of those style songs on the radio and mm-hmm. they always kind of bother me because they're normally coming from these, like, you know, billionaire, <laughs> like, you know, 20-year-old white women going on. I'm like, oh, I feel bad for the adversity that you face, like, whatever. Which the actors but, are that, yeah, but... but, but the idea they saw where, adversity, The idea but... where it was presenting it from this point of view, where it's mm-hmm, actual yeah. people, like, at, like, when I say, like, outcasts, like, actual outcasts that have birth defects that have led them mm-hmm. to yeah. these lives, I Except think that that is... Too well, the tattoo... <laughs> yeah. There's a guy who joins yeah. the circus because he has a bunch of tattoos, which... <laughs> At the time was, like, really bad, but... At the time was really bad, but he also got the tattoos. his entire body. He was entertaining. He wore a yeah, cape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked yeah. him. I, he was one of my favorite characters. He wanted tattoos. He, he didn't want to be outcast. You guys seen it was, like, a, what, fifth place in the Czech Republic for, uh, for president was a dude who was tattooed head to toe. Oh wow! That's was it that guy? Post pull, pull, pull <laughs> picture right now of uh, sorry. Uh, he chose to get tattoos. He didn't choose to have society like kick him out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so mine is the cool <laughs> tattoo cape guy. Yeah, <laughs> I love the cool tattoo but the, cape guy. But the song though. is is good yeah. because it really does yeah. reflect an actual group of people who've been outcast from society yeah. and who are truly finding strength and like this is who I am yeah. then they watch out into the crowd of white people and say like you know back off yeah and um they like I, I like how they get they the, the people into it <laughs> yeah because the the act goes on they go into the theater and they see this sea of white people yeah that are not rich but well off and they're, they're the uh, they're looking, the socialites of yeah, New York they're looking they look terrified of the people and yeah. then both the fat man and the bearded lady see like this kid on a crutch yeah which yeah. in those days would not usually mean he had a broken leg it meant no but that was in the it circus. meant that kid was going oh, to oh die. you no you're Th- so, this you, is long before this song you gotta you gotta talk yeah, you gotta yeah, say yeah, okay this so is, this what is Zay's talking about Come is alive. like 30 minutes in the movie <laughs> it's the first time Barnum opens his museum and it's the first performance yeah mm-hmm. and, and everyone looks terrified and the kid yeah they the audience is terrified but the the members of the act look at this kid who has a crutch. Yeah. Which in those days did not mean he had a broken leg. It meant he was probably going to die. Yeah. Or his him. leg was just shot. Yeah. Or didn't him. have a leg. Yeah. <laughs> and like, It did not mean good things for that, that child. <laughs> at that moment, like, those two kind of decided, they're like, okay, we're performing for that kid. Yeah. Yeah. And that little girl, too, who, like, her mom pushes her behind her yeah. and then the little girl starts peeking out and she smiles at okay. the lady. I have a question. Was that straight up Shireen from Game of Thrones? Because she looked exactly like her. It's, let's double check that. Like, <laughs> I was going to say. There's a couple oh, whatever. cameos oh, I thought. We're running but. out of time so we have to go into our final thoughts. Um, I think a big reason that the film is not doing well in reviews is because it's being reviewed by movie critics. Which this should be reviewed by theater critics. And like... It should be a mix because movie critics are going to this film expecting a film. 
and some theater critics might be going into it expecting a musical, and it's neither. It's that's what a film musical is about. It's an experience. Yeah, it combines them. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I I gotta say when I like when I first heard about the show, I I did not expect anything like this. I was like even like a little hesitant to see it. I was like I was probably just gonna be another kind of like you know. I felt like it was gonna be like for some reason like an art house like you know style Barnum film yeah. or, like uh. musical and stuff which I I feel like there's so much going around like this is the kind of time of like you know artistic integrity where everything that has something has to have a you need like, to appeal to seven, the smallest yeah, audience exactly possible. like yeah <laughs> yeah it has to have like like seven layers deep of something and this movie wasn't that this movie was pure un- unadulterated enjoyment and having a having a movie like this that exists I think is is wonderful. We've and collectively seen it ten times. Yeah, yeah. Bo- both me and <laughs> something like that. Uh, both me and Isaiah have seen it four times. I've seen it twice. Jesse's and seen it twice. Carl's I've only seen it, it once. Once. Fake fan. Fake fan. <laughs> Fake fan. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, Jesse. So, you, going off of what you said, something that the circus and performance does so well is it doesn't try and isolate its audience. It tries to make it as wide as possible, mm-hmm. which a lot of people hate because people in general they want to have like their own thing. Yeah. They want to feel like they're mm-hmm. it's theirs and that they understand it. They want to feel smarter. People are scared to like it. Yeah, and some of this what this movie does is like I'm not trying to make you feel stupid for liking this. I'm not trying to make you feel isolated. Here it is. It's very basic. It's very out there, and it's very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think everyone should at least see it once. And if you don't like it, that's okay because there's probably parts people. Of it. People, you have your own opinion. Of it. Some people I, don't like the circus. I don't know? remember yeah. who said it, but the ideal like work of art should please half of the audience. Mm-hmm. That means you've done something stylized and yeah. good, and like the other half is just it's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. people should go here and just let go of their inhibitions and just say, "I'm going to experience yeah. and enjoy." Just, just open enjoy. Your, if you open yourself up to enjoyment. Yeah, I mean, in the theater. Don't be the in the theater world lately. I just enjoying the theater. Yeah. I've I've experienced so many people who just are trying to like critique everything and they isolate what their likes are. I'm just, just go there and experience. That, that's a th- I don't think any of us were honestly thinking analytically that much when yeah, we no. first saw it. We which we tend we were, to do. No, we were yeah. like, we were leaning over making jokes. Yeah, we were just yeah, having yeah. fun. Yeah, well, like, we we still were making jokes at the film, but we yeah. loved it. Like yeah. we made lots of jokes because right. you know that's what we do, Carl. Yep, yeah, I don't want anyone to misinterpret all of my griping as uh, not enjoying the film, because I thoroughly enjoyed it when I saw it, and I'm He's glad the cynic. film was made. Yeah. It's definitely something people should check out, because we need to bring back, you know, real movie musicals and original ones. But, um, yeah, my only complaints were just that, like, when you're doing any story, looking at the current climate and, like, how it impacts, because while it does sort of, you know, uh, help elevate one group and give like worth to a group that is normally uh in the minority and kind of shut away all the people that like barnum brings up through the film it's always good to remember that like yeah don't just don't uh idolize rich white guys too much for being rich white guys who scammed people to be rich white guys so my my final remark is that i just want i had something you already (laughs) made a final remark no no i have something i have something to add go on Um, it's great we've all (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Minus Carl, but I think you'll see it again. We have all seen it many, many times. And the problem I've seen with movies lately is that there's no rewatch value. That people just see one movie once and they don't go back. They're like, I've seen it once. I don't think that's a bad thing about movies. But no, I disagree. Because I think a, a, the, be, the best part of a movie is that you can watch it again and still yeah. find enjoyment. Because this is a movie, like, they even mention it, like, at the beginning. Like, Hugh Grant and, uh, what was his name? Hugh Jackman. Uh, Hugh Jackman. You, you want to keep on saying Hugh Grant? <laughs> Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Hugh Grant was not in this. Hugh Jackman and Michael Gracie. Yeah, Hugh Jackman <laughs> and Michael Gracie have a thing before the 
theater movies. Like, thank you for coming out seeing this in the theaters. Oh, I love that. Because this that's, is a movie yeah. that you have to see in the theaters. It's a spectacle. It's what you need yeah, to do. Yeah, that's why we've seen it so many times in the theaters, because I don't want to watch it on my laptop yeah. in my living room. I want to, yeah. like, have it be an experience, because it's something you go to. Yeah. Yes. Well, anyways, we've talked too much. Thank you guys so much. Go see Greatest Showman. Mm -hmm. uh, this has been TF Talks. Once again, I'm Sam. I'm Isaiah. I'm Jesse. And I'm Carl. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day.